All right. Okay, coach. So uh, excited about the topic, excited about uh, what all comes out. Um, go ahead and, well, you, I'll introduce myself first. I think I always say, go ahead, coach, kick yeah. us off. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself. Uh, my name is Sherry Wilson, owner of Genius Communication, uh, consulting, social media manager, et cetera, but also uh, someone who loves seeing people make progress. And I think this one is going to help. You know, I tell people when I'm mentoring that I will not give you more than you're willing to commit to because right. I'm not going to want your change more than you want it. But if I see even a little bit of, you know, even a centimeter of progress, I will go all in. So I'm definitely results oriented, coach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, well, I'm Greg McNeil. I'm the owner of Coaches Corner and Empowerment Center in Mexico. Um, I'm also in my, I'm a licensed clinician. If you're listening uh, to us for the first time, then, you know, I'm a licensed clinician. I'm also in my PhD program right now. And like Sherry says, my whole mission is, aside from making sure that I engage in self-care, right, yep. is to make sure that all those I have opportunity to serve, that we help you live the life that you believe that you can have, right? Yeah. And we hang in there with you to help you to get through all of those areas that need to be navigated so that can be achieved. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so I like your topic. Um, I might even make it the title, Coach, How to Recognize When Being Tested. So... Can you like just kick us off as far as uh, what you mean a little bit of the process you were sharing uh, earlier? Yeah, let's see. So one of the things that I recognize um, that I have been dealing with is that now is time for me to take another step, right? And I'm actually pursuing something that I love. Um, and it's a, I have a second opportunity. I think I said this in one of the earlier podcasts that um, I think I did anyway, that the, my first opportunity to go for my doctoral program, I had searcher, sick, searcher, blah, 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 blah. Circumstances <laughs> in my life, I couldn't get that out. Oh, please forgive me, listen. Um, and at that point, I was not ready. When it really came down to it, I was not ready. There were circumstances, but I will call those things reasons, but still excuses. Okay. Here we are right now, right? Um, I'm really excited. Everything is in front of me. I'm taking the next step. You know, I'm opening up my new clinical agency here in Albuquerque. And, you know, and I'm also preparing for, I guess, my first solo hunt, right? Yeah. And so there's all these things that are, it's like, Greg, I have a lot of stuff going on in my mind, competing thoughts. But what I recognized was I could hear old dialogue messages from the past, right? Okay. You know, negative mindset messages, self-limiting thoughts, right? Now, in the work I do, I know exactly what they are. But being in this body, right, there are some times when you recognize it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your life is a process. It's not perfected. So you always have to deal with those situations. And for me, I was aware of, it's like, wow, 
I'm hearing myself battle with some things in my head and I'm thinking, really, is this what's going on for me? But what I recognized was, if not for the training and the type of work that we do and the life that we live, right? I'm overwhelmed, right? I'm overwhelmed by those thoughts of limitation, right? No matter how much I say I'm ready for whatever that next step is, those old thought patterns are still there sort of like just to test you to make sure that you're really ready for that next step. Now, for me, what I noticed was when I started to feel uncomfortable, I had to stop and listen to the thoughts I was thinking. And as I did, I was able to say to myself, wow, this is not real. I know where this is coming from and then being able to change my mind. But because I'm still in that process of change and transition, and that there are certain things, even though I have faith in what's happening, they have still as of yet not materialized, right? Yeah. That process is still going. So those old thoughts are just peppering, saying, just to make sure, you know, you don't really want to do this. Maybe there's something else you should do, or maybe this is not for you or for the listener, whatever your language is, whatever those old thought patterns are, when they come up again, they don't really come up to necessarily break us down, but they become our own testimony to determine whether or not if what you say that you desire is true, and if what you say you are willing to do that you will be committed to do no matter what you think those challenges are, if that makes any sense. It does. So what, we, what we know is there are some people, and I think we've talked about this before, they'll do a great work and then that same thought will come around again and then they quit, right? It's yes. like a person that gets to a certain stage and they quit every time, right? It's because that same messaging returns to you, those same habit patterns, they return to you. And it's like, are you really changing? Or are you just talking about it, right? Yeah. And one of the things I was saying, you know, off air was, it's always relative to where you are in your life. So whatever step you take in your ascending process to achieve those goals, then that testing is always going to be relative to what that goal or that effort is that's required of you to take that next step, if that makes sense. It does. So one of the things that I have a question on coaches, so the thoughts that you know began to bombard you, um, were those origined? That's probably not even a word, but sourced. <laughs> was it like sourced from like around the first time you were going to do this, but you didn't, or were they just a culmination of, you know, thoughts over the time? I'm just curious if your current situation and the thoughts that you were getting hit with, were they sourced the first time around when you had an opportunity to get your PhD, or is it just the accumulation of life and experiences? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would probably say that it would, it's not related to 
my situation from the last time, but I would say that it would be more of an origin, right? Mm -hmm. um, something much older, right? Okay. Um, because in this case here, um, the course that I set for myself is you're doing something for the planet that's much bigger than yourself, right? Um, what you seek to do in this life is much larger. It's much more demanding for you, right? Are you really ready for that responsibility? And you look back in your life where somebody might've said, you know what, maybe that's too much. Maybe you don't need to really be doing that, right? Well, um, well what happens if you do this in your life change? You, you know, you start to get those types of questions. And so you could say it's also an accumulation, but I would say for me in this example, it is more strongly um, an origin message, right? Than mm -hmm. anything else. And you could say that it picked up other scenarios along the way, but you start okay. with a baseline message of, are you sure that you want to do such a powerful work on the planet? So then, um... Take me through the physical process, because I think it's very important that people understand that sometimes you need to shift literally what you're doing. Uh, like you said that you could tell that you were starting to get these thoughts. And so you literally shifted what you were doing at that moment in time to do other things. And then you said um that you started tracking the thoughts in your head. So can you, because you were, I guess you were on a call or something with a client and you could tell it was happening or something like that. And then you literally shifted your environment. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I'm done with the client at this point and now I'm working on my own personal work at this point. So okay. all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, I'm listening to myself and I'm hearing these thoughts and I'm thinking, I know this is not accurate, right? Yeah. But those thoughts are not going to let up unless you make a change. So what did I do? It was like step one, I stopped what I was doing. And I went and I got on my vibration plate for about an hour. And when I was there, I was just literally meditating and just tracking the thoughts, just watching them pass by. And in this case here, now... I'm in line with what's happening. I'm, I'm literally watching the thoughts that I'm thinking as I'm looking at leaves wash down a stream, right? I'm just watching it pass me. But because I shifted what I was doing, I was now in a position to just let it pass me by, right? I could see what it was. I could feel it in my body briefly, which is like a stress reaction, right? Either in your gut, maybe in your chest or wherever a person, let's say, would feel their stress. But it, for me, it was in my gut, right? I felt it in my stomach. But now because I had shifted the activity, because now I'm literally tracking the thought and I'm working it, right? Yeah. Okay. At this point, it's not staying because when it comes in and I look at it, it's like I grab it, I look at it and it's like, okay, this is not real, right? I, I know what this is. So now I take the next step. I declare it as being inaccurate, but I also return to the place where I know this is what I'm doing. So it's like I reaffirm for myself 
this place, this time, what I'm doing, that goal, and I know I'm going forward. No matter what is happening around me, I know I'm going forward. But the first thing I had to do was examine that thought and clear it out. And I did that through that activity. So once I got off of the vibration plate, I continued on and then I went to mow my lawn, right? Mm -hmm. Again, we're talking about the subconscious mind. It's always at work, right? 24-7. I shifted the environment. The thought is still there with me, right? So I am not going to claim to be some kind of deity. But as anybody that's familiar with the Bible, you will know that there's a story where the guy said, let me take you up here on this mountain and let me show you all of these other things that you could be doing, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are the son of the living God. So you can do all of this stuff. Well, in that example, right, it's a test. Mm -hmm. But the test had to be examined before Christ in the biblical account said, hey, look, I need to get you behind me. I need to banish the thought because it's not accurate. So I'm talking to the listener here and I'm saying, hey, look, this is not about a course in Christianity, but it's about a lesson in being able to examine a thought very deeply to see where it's coming from because you cannot dismiss something that you don't fully acknowledge, right? Yeah. If you try to tell yourself something is not real or it's not important, but you know deep inside it is, it doesn't go away. It will continue to work on you until you do something with it, right? So in this case, I found myself really evaluating the thought. I changed what I was doing in terms of the activity. And I kept changing until I was able to subdue what was happening for me in that moment, right? With the thinking that I was going through to be able to put it away because I knew it wasn't accurate, but I was also fortifying myself because I know that it comes again, mm -hmm. right? So we talk about, in our work, we talk about faith. But we don't talk about a religious faith. We just talk about having faith in yourself, having faith that you can achieve what you want. And based on your belief systems, you can also have faith in other um, experiences or sources. But in order to be able to have what we call faith, you still are tested. The man gets up and says, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. I have faith in myself that I can. He says, all right. His subconscious says, well, let's go. Well, guess what happens? On the way to the track, there's McDonald's over there, right? So what is the sub says, hey, look, you need to pull over to McDonald's and at least get you a cup of coffee because you're used to having a cup of coffee before you start, right? And in this scenario, the guy's like, no, I don't, no, I don't. But he's like, yeah, you're right because I'm a little bit sleepy. So he pulls into that McDonald's line and just as he's getting ready to get that cup of coffee, the sub says, man, go ahead and get that egg McMuffin and that uh, hot apple pie. And before you know it, in this case here, the guy's drinking coffee, eating an egg McMuffin, and eating a hot apple pie. Now, 
in that scenario, he said, came to the message, right? In another scenario, he doesn't. He doesn't stop at McDonald's. He doesn't get the coffee. He's not essentially tricked into getting the McMuffin or the hot apple pie. But here's one thing that is present. He still has the same impulse, right? Right. He still feels it the same, right? It's like, hey, come on, you need to go over there and stop. Only this time he recognizes that he wants what he declared more than he wants his old habit patterns of having coffee, having a sandwich, having a hot apple pie, right? So this is what he knows. He's been doing it now for 30 days. We fast forward. He's been training for 30 days. He's lost 25 pounds. He still passes that same McDonald's and he still gets the same message. Because the moment he does not process that message, he's going to find himself in line in the drive up, getting coffee, getting an egg McMuffin and an apple pie. Why, why am I saying this is because things that we have to deal with, they never really leave us, right? They mm-hmm. just come around again at certain times as a way of determining, are you really serious about what you plan to do. It's sort of like saying, just because you stop drinking, just because you stop smoking, doesn't mean that you don't have the urge to continue to drink or to smoke. So you are constantly aware of what we call your shadow behaviors or your past thinking or habituated ways of doing things, they never leave. They're always just outside, you could say, just outside your periphery, but they're always watching you as a way of seeing if you are going to do what you said you were going to do. And if I can use a Will Smith example where he slapped Chris Rock at the Academy Awards, right? Yeah. Made a statement. He said, the devil always shows up at your highest moment, right? Mm-hmm. Or your shadow threatens to take over you right at the moment of your greatest achievement, right? Which is another way of saying we never stop working. So to the to the listener of the podcast, we're saying, hey, look, it doesn't matter how successful we may be in the world at achieving certain goals and outcomes. You hear the podcast, but you don't see the journey. So there can be a mistake that is made to assume that what you're looking at is already made. Like you're seeing a made person, a finished product. But the truth is the higher you ascend, the more challenge you have to make sure that your consciousness is always where it needs to be. In other words, you can never have enough wisdom. You can never have enough experience. You can never have enough faith. I also think um, a caveat to that as well, though, is that you can collect the tools that are needed 
in order to help you as you go. Like, you know, a lot of times when you begin your work, you have no idea. You're just trying to get some information, some data. And um, and then as you go, though, you pick up those tools and those keys that do help you. I can say as far as smoking, um, maybe for some people that may still be there, I have absolutely no desire, you know, like, but it took years. Um, so there are some things, but I wanted to hit on a couple things that you uh, mentioned. So the first thing I wanted to point out to people to make sure they didn't miss that, the subconscious is like a fish hook that will try to reel you in slowly. It knows how fish are, right? So like you were saying, the McDonald's thing is just perfect. It's, um, you know, you, you know, you want that coffee, you know? And so all of a sudden here you are buying the food that you had just made the decision to not uh, get. And that's, that's very important for people to understand. Uh, like I was telling one of our students, she's a lot happier and she was talking about like her environment and things like that. And I, and I stopped her and I said, your external environment hasn't changed at all. Your internal environment is what changed. Think about it. Your internal environment is actually what determines your mental state versus your environment. And it took her a minute. And she's she's like, well, yeah, it did. It changed. I said, no, it didn't. It is exactly the same, except for maybe a few little things like a new car or whatever. So I explained to her, I said, your environment's 10% of happiness. 40% can be genetics, but don't use that as an excuse because you can turn genes on and off. And yeah. then 50% is mindset. So you've got the ability to transform 90% of what is needed for you to live your authentic life and to be happy doing it. So just note the subconscious doesn't necessarily hit you upside the head. Now, sometimes it can, but typically it's very subtle and it's in stages where you find yourself repeating behavior that you said you wouldn't. So yeah. that was the first thing I wanted to point out, Coach. Did you have anything else to add to that? Well, I just wanted to uh, say this as well, because sometimes you, you mentioned the word externalization, and we have a tendency sometimes, you know, words can create an abstract in our minds, and so we don't always relate to it viscerally. But when we talk to the, the listener, to our clients about a subconscious process, the best way to relate to it is this. Think about times when you are doing things that you said you wouldn't, that you know you should not be doing, or, or you recognize things that can limit you. When you know better and you're doing it anyway, this is what a subconscious habit pattern looks like. And so we're saying in order for you to change that, you have to literally keep bringing it up into the light to examine it so you can change that behavior, right? Yeah. Because, because otherwise, until you do, it's still there, Yeah. right? It's still there. So like all information that we've learned, it never goes away. Right. Well, and I like how you said you cannot dismiss something you're not fully acknowledging. That's that right. is so important because people will just dismiss those ripple thoughts. Sometimes they'll resist the wave thoughts. You got to go with the flow, meaning you take that thought, like you said, you examine it, and then you just get rid of uh, that as an untruth. Um, 
I kind of want to contradict myself a little bit, though, where we talk about 10% is environment. It can be very important to have an environment shift, though, when you're processing. So some things, the processing can take seconds. Some things, the processing can take minutes, hours, days. Uh, so it's important to recognize. So that um, last night, um, Mike and Kent were on the hunt for monsters. And so we're going to every store trying to find green monster, you know, drinks, which I think are horrible, but whatever. Oh, okay. (laughs) And, um, and so we go to all these places. Well, anyway, we finally end up at a local pilot and they have a Dunkin' Donuts in there. And what I haven't had a donut in, oh my gosh, probably 11 years. And, uh, and that was one of my favorite things was once a week, I'd get a donut. And even when I was a kid, I loved donuts. Dad would make fun of me because I'd get chocolate donuts with chocolate milk and then chocolate cocoa puffs. And uh, so, you know, I'm looking at them and I have an instant reaction of oh, love donuts. Your mouth starts watering, you know, because you just want to get that donut. But I can't eat donuts, but also I have goals. And so I examine the, the, you know, okay, you know, obviously I want a donut. I'm not going to get a donut. And I just moved on. There was no, you know, tempting or anything like that. But it was funny how here we are 11 years later and my body responds to the sight of a donut. I didn't immediately think, oh, that's terrible. I mean, what kind of person are you that, you know, 10 years later, 11 years later, you still want a donut? It, I just acknowledge I still obviously like donuts, but I'm not going to have one because I have things that are more important to me, like yeah. my health, right? And so that was a seconds long. Um, and and but others, it can take time. So, like just to go back to the the Jesus uh example you gave, which you know, uh, if people have listened, I am definitely a teacher, a preacher of the word. What I find interesting, Coach, that you brought out that a lot of um, people of the Christian faith, which I am, don't get, is when you look in the original Greek of that story, he had to consider each thought. So people don't realize that. They think it was like an outside uh, source. Uh, Now, I do believe um, in the devil, but I don't believe that he showed up with a red, you know, suit on and a pitchfork. (laughs) there's thoughts that Jesus was thinking that he recognized as enemy to himself, right. And to his destiny. And so he had to consider, he turned it over, he looked at it and then out of his subconscious, because he had planted the word out of his subconscious came a response to it. So a lot of people think that because they have a thought, that means they're bad or there's something wrong with them. That is not the case. The thought is something like you say, examine it in light of truth, and then you will know what your response needs to be. So I love that idea of don't dismiss, you know, you can't dismiss a thought or get rid of a thought pattern without fully examining it. And and so that may take seconds, like I said, minutes or days. And so I want people to um, understand that. But on the environment thing, Sometimes a shift of environment can be helpful, but it's not your source of happiness. So like when you look at you shifted, you got on your plate, you mowed the lawn. Uh, I think I talked about, I'm not sure if I said on the podcast, but I told you how 
you know, being at uh, my dad's house and there's just so much tragedy there, Mike's like, you've got to stay away, stay away for a few days. So sometimes shifting your environment so that you can regroup, you can do self-care is important, but it's not the source of happiness dealing with your thought patterns and your sub. That's the source of you having a life you want. It, it is. And so one of the biggest things that we talk about is, is the word, the, the spoken word, all of our behaviors, those things that we have, that we experience emotionally, there is a word associated, uh, energy or vibration. We don't need to make it we don't have to get into the quantum realm to make that real for people, tangible for people. You can sit with yourself right now and know it. I mean, I can walk into a room and listen to a bunch of people and it's like, there's yours happening for you right now. You're talking, man and woman are talking. She tells her husband, I'm going to have a meeting with so and such. And her husband, all of a sudden is, he starts to feel a certain way. If he doesn't pay attention to his thoughts, right, he will act in a negative or inappropriate situation with his wife and not realize that his whole behavior came from a word that's in his head that is associated with an experience. In this case, it can be a fear of loss, right? Absolutely, which is one of the ones we encounter the most. Exactly. So we always have to be a work aware that words matter. If you're thinking a thought, you're saying a word. And that word is has a feeling that is associated with it. It's an energy in your body and you experience it. So let me just say this real quick. So I can hear some guys say, I don't know about that, man. That sounds like bullshit to me. I love that type of guy, right? <laughs> Sometimes I can be hard on men, right? And so the when that happens, I will give that man a scenario right off the bat, right? Yeah. I will put him in a situation as soon as he says something that we both know is not true, but I'm confronting his BS. And the minute he says it, I give him a scenario, right? And I give him one that shakes him to the core because I pick up his fear, right? Yes. Because I know that what he just said was a lie. Yeah, right? he did not examine what he truly felt. So when I t- take him to that place, he's like, "Okay, coach, I don't know what to do now. Now I'm all scared and nervous." It's like you're scared and you're nervous because you haven't examined what you said. You just have a typical response to something that you think brings fear. So you have this bumper sticker on your head that says, "No fear." But that's a lie. You're scared to death. And if that woman says, you know what? She doesn't want to be with you anymore. Then the world as you know it just comes shattering down. Yeah. Right. So once I get him to that place of admission, right? Yeah. Now I'm saying you have to examine all those thoughts that you were thinking as it relates to the relationship that you were in. Right. You have to admit that this person that you call your your wife, your spouse, your partner, that she is actually more important to you 
that you care about her, that you need her actually more than you are willing to admit. Yeah. And when you go, when you go to the place of denial, your fear quotient goes through the roof. Yeah. When that happens and you're not examining how you think about things, you're in arguments, right? You, you're, you have controlling behavior. Now you want to know where she's going, why she's dressing the way that she is, why she put on that perfume today, why that lipstick, right? Yeah. Because you're not thinking accurately because you haven't allowed yourself to examine those thoughts that produce fear and negative behavior in you, right? And instead, you try to dismiss it, right? Yeah, that's good, coach. That's- Go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just going to point out that control is usually the first response to fear. So that can be a sign to people the minute you're trying to control. And sometimes the form of control also comes in trying to collect as much data as you can. There's nothing wrong with that if you need answers, but that can be a sign that you're feeling fear and you're trying to get as much reassurance through Whatever it is you're collecting, whether you're interrogating your intimate partner, whether you're, you know, obsessed on Google, you know, like people that fear a diagnosis because they have symptoms and before you know it, they're dying of cancer and actually they just need to go to a chiropractor, you know, so it's like it will escalate and then you'll try to control the narrative or control people. Exactly. And so, so when we come back around, right, to where I started from. What is the purpose of the examinations? What is the purpose of examining that thought and then being able to change instantly, right, to make that shift? So I shifted my internal environment, right? Yes. And then I went to an external activity that would allow me to continue to make the shift. And then let's say I'm still dealing with that thought a little bit. Once I go from that, I go to another activity, which is to say, I stay with that process until I have completely examined and answered that question, dealt with those thoughts, and then I can move on for a period until it's time for me to do it again, right? Yeah. Because what was the net result of that? I felt free. I was relaxed. I didn't have anything going on in my head. And I could feel it in my body and everything around me, right? In that place, I was fearless and I was assured. I I was back on track and I knew that the thing that I wanted most was already coming to me. But before I could get back to that spot, I had to do all that other work because it sort of serves as a reminder when you forget the work, you're going to lose what you're after. I want to uh, end coach with just a real quick uh, caveat as far as the environment too, but I don't want people to um, not hear what you said. The end result of examining and challenging the thoughts is for you to be in a place of freedom, be in a place of confidence, recognizing that those thoughts are not uh are basically not your life. They're a past situation. But um, I had something very interesting happen. And I always challenge Kent when he starts, you know, my son, when he starts feeling something just like I challenge myself. Uh, the other day we were at, so my dad had, had um, 
he lived in my grandpa's house after grandpa died. And then across the street was his house, which is basically a, a storage unit. And, um, and so they're not, you know, they're nothing huge or special. They're just, you know, these old houses. And so Kent and his wife lived at dad's house when they first got married. And it was just about very challenging year. But anyway, so we were at that house and he was going through some of their stuff, what we're going to get rid of, what we're not. And then later that day, we were looking at, um, and I, I did this practice with him, uh, family, uh, family patterns of thought. And so I was pointing out to him certain patterns that I saw of thinking with my grandfather and my dad that he needs to overcome and to challenge. And later he's like, you know, I just feel discouraged. And I said, okay, well, when did that feeling start? And he said, well, it was after we were at Pawpaw's and, you know, and we call it the drum house. He said that I just, I came away just feeling weird. And I said, well, it was probably the environment because when he you know, went in there, there were just the, the difficulties of that time. Mm-hmm. Well, your brain's like, oh, wait a minute. Are we, you know, are we, well, why are we here? Why are we visiting this? What is going on? And so I do mm-hmm. want to just point out to the listeners that you have to understand that even though environment is 10%, it can be a very powerful percent. And to recognize that when your brain thinks that where you're at or what is happening is similar to a past, you may be triggered and have a response that is not accurate to where you are today. So I just want to encourage people to, you know, don't just go with the discouragement and think, man, I don't know why I'm discouraged, but I just am. And then sink into that emotion, backtrack and examine where did it hit you because it may be tied to something that has nothing to do with what your current life is. You know, that is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it it really is. What you just said, it is. Um, You have to recognize that discouragement, anxiety, depression, and fear in all its form are not natural states. Mm, That's good. Right? So whenever we feel any of those things, it it requires an immediate examination. Yes. Right? Because it's telling you, it's like there's something that is not working for you. And the difference then between those of us who continue on this road and those who get stuck in patterns even life patterns over and over again is one will examine a thought for its accuracy so they can move forward. And the other people accept whatever that thought or feeling is as being real. And then they allow themselves to stay in it and they keep feeding the thought, right? Yes. So, So when you hear the person say, man, I've been depressed for 10 years, well, actually, you've been thinking the same thing for 10 years, right? <laughs> That's really what you've been doing. <laughs> That's where truth confronts BS, Coach, and I think that's a very good place to end. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> oh, 